Reyes, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Retzke, and today we're coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, where the clouds are in. The White Sox postponed their opener yesterday. They are starting it up officially at home today. I don't think they're going to get any snow, which is better than last year. I don't think they're going to get any rain that's going to delay the game. And I think that overall, they are taking a 2-3 uh, uh, and three record uh, into Guaranteed Rate Park. So, I think uh, all in all, the White Sox got off to a pretty good start. They lost a couple games that they shouldn't have lost. They probably won a game that they shouldn't have won. And all in all, they went to Cleveland, uh, squeaked out a victory, uh, went uh, uh, to Kansas City, got a victory. And so, you know, they're in a lot better shape than the other team from Chicago, your Chicago Cubs. And interestingly, last night, they lost to a guy named Fried, and there isn't anything more appropriate than losing to a guy named Fried, because that's the way their season has gotten off to that start. Fried already. They were fried last September. They've got the September blues. They basically picked up where they left off, losing to a, the Brewers in a playoff or play-in, and then losing to the Rockies in a wild-card game. And uh, they picked right up where they left off. And so did the Brewers. The Brewers picked up right where they left off, kicking butt. They are hot. They took three out of four from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and held Goldschmidt in the park enough to win. Yelich rivaled him, home run for home run. And it looks like the uh, Brewers are looking good at uh, their current uh, record and going into today's game, they're six and one, four and a half games over the Chicago Cubs. And let me tell you, this season's one week old, and they have a four and a half game lead on the Cubs. That pretty well says it all. So, is their season fried, scrambled, or over easy? I tell you what, I thought long and hard. It's kind of easy to jump on the Cubs. I thought they'd get off to a good start, and they did in Texas offensively. There were a couple key moments in the, in the Texas opening series when they exploded in the first game. They brought in their bullpen just to mop up, and they had a difficult time closing that game down. Then in game two and game three, their bullpen collapsed, earning what was to be at the end of the week the title of the absolute worst bullpen in baseball, and that's hard to do when you're rivaling the Kansas City Royals. So the bullpen in Texas let them down. They had a day off. They've had a pretty simple schedule, lots of days off. They get to Atlanta. Atlanta opening day destroys the bullpen. Get an off day, rest up, get your brain in the right order, and boom, they lose another game, and then they drop the finale. So... The Cubs are on a five-game losing streak. They're one and five. And, again, trying to decide not to jump on the Cubs, man, oh, man, oh, man, it's it's tough. Uh, they This is the first podcast of the year with actual baseball games to be played. We're one week into it, and are the Cubs in panic mode? If they aren't, they should be. Are the Cubs pretty much out of the pennant race? Well, they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Last year, they won every month, finished over 500 in every month. And we forget, the season started in uh, March last year. The Cubs went 2-1 and one in March, 
and then had a winning record in, a, in every month. They're going to be hard-pressed to do that. They've already lost the month of March. No big deal. They were 1-2. and two. And now, now they're 0-4 in this month. So why? What's going on with my Cubbies? My season tickets are diminishing in value. And there are a lot of problems with the Cubs. And these problems existed last September, and they ran into the quick October. They ran into the off-season exit interviews that Theo Epstein, I guess he's the president, Hoyer's the GM, but Theo's running the show, and it's all on Theo. This is squarely on Theo that the Cubs suck. Now, he had a love affair going with Joe, and uh, you remember, they wined and dined him in, in Joe's RV, and they looked out over the horizon, and they knew they were all in the same uh, mental place to sign Joe to a five-year contract. Joe had hinted that that would be his last contract, but he clearly wants to keep managing, and Theo clearly wants somebody new, and that somebody new is probably Giardi, but... Man, oh man, talking about tying Joe Madden's hands behind his back, not just one hand, but both hands, and maybe throwing a hog tie for his leg, because it's squarely on Theo. The Jason Hayward deal, the Hugh Darvish deal, the Chatwood deal, on and on and on. Theo, I never believed anybody could be worse than Rizzo in Washington, but Theo, I, I have no idea what they're doing. They talked about... They don't have money from Ricketts to make any big moves. They can't get Kimbrell. They never bid on Harper. They never bid on, on uh, Machado. They didn't bid on on and on and on and on. They didn't try to work out a trade for Hap and Schwarber. You know, I said at the beginning of these podcasts that my dad had this great love with baseball that he passed on to me, and he also had great love of gin rummy. And I joked that, hey, there's nothing about gin rummy that you could do a podcast about. But let me tell you what, in gin rummy, if you get your hand dealt to you and then you stand pat time and time and time again and you wait for gin or you wait for that card that will get you under 10, you're going to lose. You need to continue to move your hand around, throw down a card to get a better card. Mathematical uh, odds of probability and Jin Rummy are big time. And that's what you have to do with the baseball team, and Theo hadn't done it. He sat pat thinking this nucleus of the team is great while they claim they have no money to pay because of Hayward, Darvish, Chatwood. Dunson got a big contract, and they released him. They signed Drew Smiley last year, knowing he couldn't pitch, to a big-time contract, and then let him go to Texas, where he's in the starting rotation. So he would have been a good guy to go through the middle relief, but oh no. Instead, claiming they have no money, they signed Bodie to a long-term five-year deal for $15 bucks. And look, Bodie's a good guy, good player. Yeah, I don't have anything against signing Bodie, I guess. But I mean... It's like a guy, let's just pretend, this is hypothetical. Let's just, it's like you've got a guy on, in a coma on life support and you give him a manicure and think everything's great. Boy, don't his fingers look good while the guy's dying. Now, that's extreme, not that funny, 
But that's what the Cubs did. I mean, Kimbrell's out there. They had Corbin. They had all, they had tons of chances. And I think Theo's got to be gun shy because of all the deals he's blown. And nobody says anything about it. They talk about Madden changing the lineup all the time and Madden doing this and Madden doing that. Well, most of the problem is Jason Hayward, Hugh Darvish, Chatwood, Dunsing, on and on and on. They throw money around and then claim that they're broke. And it's it's no wonder they're broke because Theo makes bad deal after bad deal. He got rid of Gliber Torres and the dude's setting it on fire. He got rid of Jimenez. And yeah, we got Chatwood for the hit for the uh, Torres deal. And yeah, we won the World Series. And isn't that great? Well, we've still got World Series hangover and we've got uh, a general manager or president or whatever you want to call Theo that... Um, has vapor lock, man. I mean, he, either he's gun shy or Ricketts won't let him do anything or whatever it is. The best player on the team continues to be somebody that Jim Henry signed. And Henry gets no credit for Baez. That was his guy. Chris Bryant, man, the, for the last six months of the last year and this start of the season, this dude is lost. He's got this lunging swing that that just looks bad. And that points out a problem that developed that I saw at the end of the year, and that is Theo thinks he's a friggin' hitting coach. Theo thinks they ought to have more launch angle on their swings. Theo thinks that they ought to have more exit velocity. Well, Theo ought to go back to figuring out how he can make a good trade instead of figuring out what's wrong with their hitting because he ain't no hitting coach any more than... Verducci is a hitting coach on MLB Network. So, Theo, make a good deal and do an extension that isn't with Bodie. And you know what we're talking about. There's extension mania going on, which raises another good point. And I'm going to jump around because I'm going to get back to the Cubs in a minute. But it, this extension mania, we talked about it on our last podcast, it has continued to go through the first week of the season, and I think it's great. Or do we go to the conspiracy theorists around, which haven't really been raised yet, but I'm raising it here to our massive listening audience. The conspiracy is, did the owners collude? Did the owners individually without collusion, and of course collusion is a big term now that we've accused the President of the United States of collusion, and he claims he never colluded. Seems like Mr. Barr backed him up. But getting back to the Major League collusion, whether or not the owners got together and conspired, colluded, or agreed not to do much for these free agents, while the Scherzers and the Arenados and the Ver Verlanders moaned and groaned, did that activity, be it concerted or not, lead to this extension mania? Did the agent say, hey, look, why jack around with free agency? If you're satisfied here, if you like the club you're at, let's just do a multi-year extension. And they have been going through the roof with multi-year extensions, and I applaud them. I th think those agents are smart. There is one agent who has not participated in this extension mania, and that's Scott Boris. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, so I can tell you, uh, the union doesn't like the uh, extension mania. 
the players are maybe signing for less than market value, which the union doesn't like. But you can look at from Arenado to Syndergaard and everywhere in between. Um, it's spectacular that these guys are destroying the free agent market for the next few years. And so it's interesting. And is it on purpose? Mm, I'll let you guys figure that out. But as we sit here today, I cannot remember a period of time where there were so many extensions. Anyway, back to the one extension that Theo should give, and that's to Joe Madden. Now, you may not agree with Madden and his lineups, and uh, who knows what he says behind the scenes, but, and who knows what, who was the one that tied two hands and a leg behind Joe's back. But this Cub team, you know, even if you start at the obvious, you're Joe, your starter goes three or four innings, maybe five, if you're lucky, six, five and a third. Let's just say five and a third. That's 16 outs, right? Five times three plus one. 16 outs. Now, we all know there's 27 you got to get, and so what are you going to do for those other 11 outs? Who are you going to bring in? No, I mean, my God, they've got nobody. Nobody. Now, I would suggest that my friend's son, Sammy Solis, a big lefty, would be obtainable from San Diego. Anybody would be, get somebody. They got nobody out there. Montgomery is clueless, and so is everybody else right now. Um, and I don't know if it's Contreras is the problem. They seem to pitch better to Caratini, but... Do they need a real catcher? Is that an issue? Now, Contreras has been a pretty good receiver. He's known for not being able to frame a pitch, but he's not blocking balls in the dirt. He's not really showing any form to block balls in the dirt. And can anybody block a, a, a slider down from Strope or from Edwards? And speaking of Edwards, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. He's a good fan guy. He's sort of a funny guy. You know, they dance around. There ain't no dancing in the bullpen now. They ain't dancing when there's a home run hit because they're generally getting their butts kicked whenever there is a home run. And speaking of last year and this year's comparisons, the Cubs got shut out or scored one run in more often than anybody other than the Baltimore Orioles. 39 times, that's 25% of the games the Cubs were shut out or scored one run. And they're off to that same deal this year. One out of four games, they got shut out. Shut out by the Braves. Unbelievable. Then they get shut out last night in game number six until the ninth inning when they're trailing nine to nothing and they score four, four friggin' runs, whoopee-doo. So they got the same friggin' problems. They, they have a bad bullpen. Edwards just cannot find home plate. And, and as my buddy Nelly used to say, the only thing these pitchers have on, the, on their pitches around the ball or their fingers the rest of the time they got good velocity out to left center and right field and that's what's happening they ain't fooling anybody it's 
batting practice, they got flat sliders. They've got predictable curveballs. They've got fastballs that are not on the outside part of the plate. They don't get calls from umpires, and they get pissed. Lester's done that all the time. They finally, they go, well, God, if the guy's not going to give me any pitch down the on the side on the corners, I'm going to throw one down the middle, and bam, they got nothing on the ball but their hand. So, the bullpen is a problem, and and that's easy to to knock. I mean, it's obvious they got the worst ERA in baseball. Their WHIP is coming up near two from the bullpen. Lester's okay. Hendricks, man, as I said last week, if he's not on, it's BP. Darvish is gone. He's a friggin' head case. Nobody, yeah, I mean, that poor guy, he and Hayward are on the all-billionaire team that isn't producing. And I, I like Hayward, and I don't know about Darvish, but my God, bad. Quintana, is he a head case or not? I, I think he's a number two guy, but Madden doesn't think that. And then Hamill's getting kind of old, and what 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 do they have in the farm system? You'll you say they've got nobody in the farm system, and that falls on Theo and Jed, who are nobody zero. I think their top prospect in the top hundred is number eighty-eight, maybe, maybe. You know they've got Dylan Maples that they sent back. They got Alex Mills that they sent back. Bring those two guys back up here. They've performed well enough to be better than the guys we got now. And shuffle up the bullpen. And oh, by the way, I predict that today before the game with the Brewers, which I will be attending at Miller Park, soon to be named American Family something, American Family Field. You know, it ought to be American Family Field at Miller Park if you know, if money talks, and I don't blame Antanasio for getting a pretty good naming right deal, like everybody else, Mr. Reinsdorf included, getting guaranteed rate field um, away from the cell. It ought to be Comiskey Park. It ought to have something to do with the old Roman's name, the old Roman being Charles Comiskey. And uh, so anyway, um, where were we? We were talking about <laughs> the, the Cubs bullpen making a couple moves, which I predict will happen. There'll, there'll be a couple of guys going on what is the disabled list, but now Major League Baseball has decided that it's more politically correct, I guess, to call it the injured list. I don't get it. The guy's disabled, injured, whatever. But I predict bullpen elbow will strike Edwards and somebody else. Chizik can't get anybody out. Kinsler's been the star, and that's scary. Bring back Dunsing. You outrighted him to Omaha. You're paying him millions of bucks. Bring him back. I mean, he's irritating, but bring back Wilson. Bring back somebody. You know, instead of paying Bodie $15 million, get a pitcher for $15 million. Oh, my God. Now, there are other problems with the Cubs, and this is fun because – you know, they're going to get hot, and I'm going to hopefully eat my words. And they run off a 10 out of 12 winning streak, and all's forgiven, and we forget all this. And, you know, there are a couple things that bother me as a fan. Number one, they seem to be trying to play this, we're not panicking, we're cool, we like the other teams. They slap the helmet of the catcher when they strike out. Rizzo still converses with everybody at at first base. If they slide in a second, they jack around and talk with the guy. And I, I guess that's good, but it is emblematic 
is emblematic, and that's a big word, but it's emblematic of a bigger problem, and that is they have no catalyst. They have no go-to guy. They have no spirit. They have on the wins against chemistry or wins for chemistry or W4C, they're negative 10 right now. They have no chemistry. They don't get mad that they're getting their asses kicked. They just are cool with it. Now, are they frustrated? Lester says, oh, they're pressing. No, they're just figuring, no panic. We won the World Series in 2016. We won 95 games last year. We're good. We're good. We've got all these good guys, and uh, we still do. But they don't. <laughs> they just don't. Chris Bryant shouldn't be batting number two. And let's talk about some of the obvious problems. The biggest problem on the Cubs right now is the coaching staff. They don't have a coaching staff. Now, forget the first base coach and the third base coach. I don't care about them. They've got no hitting coach. And let me tell you, they have no, and I don't get this at all, and, and I guess nobody can explain it because it's irrational. It is ridiculous. It is grotesque. You, you, whatever you want to say, the fact that their pitching coach has never coached at any level is un friggin believable and in the context of criminal law it's criminal beyond a reasonable doubt bad you can't say anything good this guy was a game planner he he appeared over his 10-year career in a few games his claim to fame was he got drafted at the same time Rizzo did in the same Red Sox organization with Theo and here he is this guy now again I'm not there, I don't really have any basis other than my opinion, and my opinion is if they had a guy like Mike Maddox, if they had a guy like Greg Maddox, if they had a guy like Jim Hickey, if they had Basio, if they had anybody, the pitching woes would not be epidemic, and the woes are epidemic. Somebody would be able to go out there, Jim Hickey would be able to go out there and say, man, your mechanics are screwed up, your release point's screwed up, your foot's coming down too quick, you're worrying about the runners too much. I don't, they don't have that. They, don't, they, they are so far removed from having a hitting coach that it's as far away from me breaking in with the Cubs next year as their cleanup hitter. This guy is over his head. And I don't know if Joe likes the control of it all or what. But, I mean, you show me a good team, and that good team has a good pitching coach. And uh, this is ridiculous. This guy is a game-planning guy, a behind-the-scenes guy, and now he's a pitching coach. And it's obvious the bullpen sucks. Now, that's Theo's fault. It's Joe's fault on the coaching staff. Who picks the coaching staff? I don't know. They aren't going to tell me. But they need a pitching coach they don't have one and it's apparent from the way the bullpen has been and if you look at the last two weeks of spring training the roof was caving in then too even though oh the pitchers can't spin the ball because it's dry here and the ball carries and we're gonna have higher eras baloney these guys don't have a teacher and apparently they don't have a lot of skill or ability right now now i guess in another two weeks you know, I'd love to be eating my words, but I don't think I'm going to be because these guys are 
a rudderless ship right now. And speaking of catalysts, rudders, and ships, where is the leadoff man? Where is a prototypical guy to get this club going? Where is he? Well, that was Dexter Fowler who they didn't want to pay because they had overpaid Jason Hayward. Now, did Dexter Fowler set the world on fire in St. Louis? Nah. But the sucker had chemistry. He had the ability to lead off and make things happen. We don't have that. You know, Zobrist, who signed a big contract, is a major liability on the basis. He's not going to ignite anything. He's no Louis Aparicio. He's no Hamilton. He's no anything except a, a good hitter, a good guy, and a good fill-in second baseman until Russell gets back. But then what do you do with them? I mean, the, the fact that they don't have a leadoff man goes to also they don't have a guy, chemistry-wise, that ignites these guys. You know, as a, the, the Latino fellas like Baez and uh, um, Contreras, I don't know. I mean, it's missing. There's no chemistry. It's negative chemistry, and losing breeds losing. All you got to do is listen to the speech the psychologist gave in The Natural. I mean, it's funny. That's a funny part of The Natural where he goes into, you know, losing is contagious. And it apparently is because it's rampant. Now, a three-game series at Miller Park against the hottest team in baseball with Yelich and Kane and Braun and Masakas and Shaw and on and on and on and good pitchers and Hater to shut it down in the ninth. If the Cubs win a game up there, it'll be miraculous. And then thank God they come back here to open against Pittsburgh. And then the Angels, two of the worst teams in baseball. If they don't win six games out of six games at Wrigley when they get back, then that is a bad sign. So they got no leadoff man. They got no um, closer. They have Kimbrel's out there. Brandon Morrow's been pretty ugly. I mean, there there really isn't a, anything good to point to. Ian Kinsler struggled last year. Now now he's a star. They got rid of Chavez, who they shouldn't have gotten rid of. And God. What what's the deal with with this? I just don't get it, and uh, maybe that's why I'm not a general manager. But he and Rizzo Rizzo from Washington, I don't know why they still have jobs, but I don't I don't get Theo. But Ricketts loves them apparently. Now they have no clutch hitting. You say, well, you know, they've been hitting okay with runners in scoring position. Not when it counts. <laughs> not when it counts. The perfect example is back in Washington in the. Uh, watching the game in Texas when the Cubs bullpen blew the lead in the second game, but in the late innings, may have even been the ninth, and I haven't gone back to look at the box score and summary. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. Brian comes up with the winning run or the lead run on first base, first and second. Here's our big gun. Here's our guy facing a pitching staff that is looking every bit as bad as the, whites, as the Cubs, and he friggin' strikes out. He strikes out, game over, as Hawk would say, game over. And uh, for you Cub fans listening to Hawk, I'm sure that's a pretty good, pretty good fade to the way back machine. So they got no leadoff man, they got no closer, they got no bullpen, they have very little clutch hitting. 
Baez strikes out a lot, and um, it's time to panic. It is time to panic, and Madden doesn't have a contract. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a bad, bad group of activities that are taking place to form the perfect storm for a bad, bad season. I mean, if anybody can, in good conscience, think of that bullpen, who's going to get 10 or 11 outs, eh, ain't going to happen. It's going to be ugly until somebody changes something up there. And the lineups continue to change. They've had six games. They're one and five. They've had six lineups. You know, and it's frustrating as a fan. A player gets off to a hot start and he's benched. You know, they put in a, a left-handed pitcher and Schwarber's hitting 417 after the first couple of games and Madden benches him. Now, this is exactly what Dio found out was wrong with the team's chemistry when he did his exit interviews. Guys get hot and they get rested. Joe thinks, well, I can protect him. I'll protect Almora. Nah, you don't need to protect Almora. You need him in center field every night. You got Hayward, and hopefully he'll hit. Hopefully he won't keep popping up and hitting ground balls a second. I like Jason. I think he's a guy that cares a lot and works hard. And he's just got to return to form. Uh, he's five or six years away from getting beamed. He's got to be getting back to his old self. I'm still a believer in him. So that leaves left field. What do you do with left field? That the the guy that the only guy that's hitting every game is Zagunas, or however you pronounce his name. And the fact that I mean he can't play the outfield. So you got Schwarber as a DH, Zagunas is a DH, Contreras and Caratini, I don't know. Bryant looks just lost. Baez is Baez. You got second base that's a problem. And then uh, you know, Rizzo's solid. So where does that leave you? I, you know, I hate to be the typical negative Cub fan, but between the lineup, no contract for Madden, no leadoff man, no chemistry, no real hardcore guy, nobody's panicking when they should be panicking. What do you do? Um, I have no answers. I'm just thinking that uh, it can only get better. But man, oh man, oh man, I'm going to be in Miller. Park tonight. I'm going to be down in the field watching batting practice. I'm excited about that. I'm going to do a podcast with uh, Craig Kashan, who was uh, Dave's partner for many years. They won Emmys together, did the pregame and the postgame shows. And uh, Craig's a super good guy. He was a, not only the broadcast partner of Dave, but he was also a really good friend of Dave's. And he also does the Bucks game. So he's having, he, he's in. Uh, euphoric state of grandeur uh, doing the Bucks as they have the best record in the NBA and the Brewers who have the best record after one week in the uh, major leagues. So who else is off to a, a good start? Well, uh, it's hard to believe, but a team that's done exactly the opposite of what the Cubs did, the Los Angeles Dodgers are in first place at five and two. And when I say they did the absolute opposite of what the Cubs, the Dodgers have gone to the World Series twice, and they're gunning for the third time, which would be a pretty good streak in modern-day baseball history. They didn't sit pat. They didn't hang on to Puig. They didn't hang on to Kemp. They just kept moving their hand around, trying to develop a team that keeps winning. 
and they keep putting money into it. And if they're over the the uh, uh, salary cap or the luxury tax or whatever you want to call it, so be it. Uh, and and on that point, Diamondbacks and others, if these guys can't get their salary payroll up to 100 or 130 million a year, they ought to be forced to get out of baseball. The Diamondbacks getting rid of Goldschmidt? Are you crazy? If you can't afford to keep Goldschmidt, you can't afford to be an owner. If you can't afford Corbin, if you can't, I mean, they let three guys go that were the nucleus of their team, and they'd have let Cranky go if he would agree to a trade. So there are many, many, many examples. Oh, man, we can't sign uh, Machado. We can't sign Harper. We can't sign Kimbrell. Uh, that would break the bank. Well, you know, the fans don't care. You raise the ticket prices. You have commercials. The Cubs are going with their own network. It's all about money. And the Cubs and the Royals are happy. They won World Series, and they're going to live off of that land for as long as it takes until the attendance drops off. And with the Royals, the attendance is dropping off. But with the Cubs, you know, people are going to, they're going to drop two and a half, three million people. And Ricketts is going to, it's, it's like Back to the Future where Biff owned the whole town. Ricketts is going to own that whole town. And it'll be interesting to see, since they affirmatively tried to get rid of the aldermen out there, it's going to be interesting to see what leeway uh, Tunney gives them. That's a little political comment. But uh, that's going to be interesting. But there are bowling alleys out there. The new building's finished. The ballpark's beautiful. Wrigley's fun. I love the Cubs. But, man, oh, man, come on. Theo and Joe, get real. So, anyway, that's all the railing on them. Dodgers are looking good. The Padres are off to a good start. Now, yeah, you, you say if this was a call-in show, people would be going, yeah, look at the Mets. They got off to a great start, and then they caved. Look at the the uh, other teams that got off to good starts and then they caved. I don't know. I can't look into the future. All I can tell you is Tampa Bay is not going to be leading that division in another month. And they're off to a good start at 5-2. and two. And Speaking of Tampa Bay, next week they come into Chicago and I'm going to head to the south side of town. I'm going to check out the new French fry stand at guaranteed rate slash the cell slash Comiskey Park. And I'm also going to go over to the Goose Island uh, section in right field. I'm going to check out some of the great, great food that Sports Service provides there in the lower bowl. And then uh, I'm going to get together with the Tampa Bay uh, Rays announcer, who I think is one of the best announcers in the game, and that's Dwayne Stats. So in a period of four days, I'm going to be with one of the best pregame and postgame guys, one of the best play-by-play -play announcers in baseball, and I'm going to see a bunch of baseball games between the Cubs and the Brewers, the Cubs and the Pirates, the Cubs and the Angels. Going to get to see Mike Trout. That's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, the Angels are as bad at starting as the Cubs. They're 1-6, and six, so actually they're worse than the Cubs. The Astros are off to a bad start. The A's are not bad. The Rangers are surprising everybody at 5-2, and two, and the Mariners are not going to win that division, but they should have topped the division at 7-1. and one. The Rockies are off to a shaky start. The Giants suck. The D-backs got rid of their team. They're in trouble. The Nationals are, you know, hanging in there. The Marlins are pathetic. The Braves are better than I thought. The Mets are going to be good with their pitching. And 
the Harper-led uh, Philadelphia Phillies look like they could be the real deal, which reminds me, one of our segments is the bang for your buck between Machado and Harper. Who gets the biggest bang for the buck? And right now, you got to say, Bryce Harper's hitting 500. He's got a couple dingers. And Machado is, as predicted, <laughs> kind of a yawn for the uh, Padres. But, you know, he does provide a better part of that lineup than somebody that, you know, was in AAA last year. So um, that's, that's a pretty good little segment that we have every week called Bang for Your Buck, which kind of meshes into chemistry. How long will wins for chemistry uh, be positive for Bryce Harper? I don't know. We'll see. But, man, they got a good team. And their ownership, you know, God forbid, those guys set out to spend money. Yeah, they had some money left over from the last few years of fledgling along. But they spent the money. And they've got a good team and a fun team. So that's going to be fun to watch. So in the bang for your buck, Machado's got one home run that he hit the last game. And he's hitting 240. And Harper, uh, who's off to a pretty good start, as I said, is hitting... Um, 500, and he's got off to the uh, 2019 season with three homers and five ribbies, and uh, his on-base percentage is way up there. So um, he's doing good, got off to a good start. Not that this show is excited about that, but we still have uh, a lot of baseball to go. So in our final segment, Today, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the 1959 White Sox, as I said we would, 60th anniversary of my favorite team in baseball. And I picked out a game. In the second week, remember in the first week, they went 4-2. and two. In the second week, they, they went 4-3. and three. And so they had a doubleheader. But I picked out one game just randomly. They lost to the Oakland or. Yeah, the uh, Kansas City Athletics, 8-3. to three. A, the Athletics were still in Kansas City. B, the time of the game was 1 hour and 57 minutes. God love it, and Burley didn't pitch. And then, let's, we're examining the lineups because I love these guys. This is our 12th podcast. Number 12 that I liked, it didn't come around until a few years later, and that was J.C. Martin their catcher who replaced Sherm Lawler. But they led off with the same lineup. A good base stealer, a good catalyst, something the Cubs don't have. Louis Aparicio, the Venezuelan star, followed by Nellie Fox, shortstop and second baseman that are in the Hall of Fame. And has anybody solved that? Any other Hall of Fame double play combo besides Tinkers to Evers to Chance? Cubbies in the old days? Well, the White Sox were close, but Norm Cash could have been in the Hall of Fame, but he wasn't. They had Aparicio, Fox, Landis, Lawler, Cash, Smith, Callison, Bubba Phillips, Billy Pierce. <clears throat> now, if you followed this podcast a couple weeks ago, that's the same lineup the White Sox had and the same lineup they basically used all the time. Now, remember the interview I did with Dick Hauser? They had nine pitchers. They had five starters, great starters. Those guys went six or seven innings. Saberhagen, Gubazad, Jackson, Black, Lee Brandt. 
they had uh, Quiz, Quisenberry as their uh, closer, and then they had two other guys to finish the game, the bridge. You know, now we have 13 guys, and we can't get it out for the Cubs. Hate to go back to the Cup, but I'm going to do that all the time. Now, here's the lineup for the A's, and I love this because it reminds me of baseball cards, and we're going to talk about the 55 and 56 sets sometime here in the near future. Um, Bill Tuttle, you know, if you don't follow baseball like I do, you'd not remember Bill Tuttle. Dick Williams hit first base, who later became a manager, who didn't put Nellie into the to bat in the All-Star game in 1973. So Dick Williams is one of the guys we're not fond of in the Dave Nelson fan club, which I'm the president of and self-proclaimed leader. You had Hector Lopez. He's a good guy, good player. I didn't know him when I say he's a good guy. I say he was a pretty good journeyman player. Then you had Roger Maris, who, are you kidding me, is not in the Hall of Fame. How can Roger Maris not be in the Hall of Fame? He won the MVP two years in a row. He set the real home run record without steroids. The guy was the real deal. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It should not be a close call. It just shouldn't. And God love Harold Baines. I mean, I, I personally know Harold, and I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame. And and I'm glad that Musina, I guess, is in the Hall of Fame. I don't wish anybody not be in the Hall of Fame unless you cheated. And if you let cheaters in, like Barry Bonds and Clemens, then you got to let Joe Jackson in, which is part of the other team we're following on the 100-year uh, reunion of the White Sox. And I saw I saw a statistic probably – on my favorite program, and let me give a plug out, not that anybody cares, but Heidi Watney is awesome. And whoever puts her show together called Quick Pitch is awesome. Those guys ought to win television Emmys all the time. She is awesome to watch. She is really good and doesn't steal the show. She lets the show unfold. It's the only thing. Well, no, there's some good shows on MLB Network until these guys start talking about uh, some of their sabermetrics, but Heidi's show, Quick Pitch, is a compilation of all the games at the end of the day. So if you get up in the middle of the night like I do, you can watch the highlights. And in one of those highlights, um, the Jason DeGrom game that he just pitched, he struck out more guys than Bob Gibson. He hit a home run, and he had more consecutive quality starts in anybody, I believe. I need to go back and make sure I'm thinking of the same thing. The last guy to do what he did was a man named Al Seacott. And you've heard me talk about Seacott, because he probably would have been in the Hall of Fame, but he chose to get into the gambler's pocket in the 1919 World Series, and along with Joe Jackson, Bucky Weaver, and a few other guys, through the 1919 series. But Seacott in 1917, I guess, was straight and underpaid. And, uh, you know, going back to Comiskey Park, the fact that the eight guys turned to the gambling syndicate to try to make a little extra money is because they were having contract disputes with the old Roman, Charles Comiskey. Anyway, uh, Bob Serve was in left field, Hal Smith, Joe DeMaestri, Frank House, Bob Grimm. Uh, speaking of Grimm, 
That's what this season's looking like for the Cubs. Back to the Cubs, not to dwell on that. But that was the, you know, to me, you go back a little bit and you look at the uh, old lineups and, and things pop in, like the Roger Maris steal not being in the Hall of Fame. The guy ought to be in the Hall of Fame. How in the world he's not in the Hall of Fame is uh, it lessens the value, in my mind, of the Hall of Fame. So the 1919 White Sox slash Black Sox didn't start until April 23rd, so we don't have anything to report yet back on them. So that is it. There are going to be a lot of Nelly stories that are going to come up in the podcast that I'm going to do with Craig Kashan this afternoon at Miller Park. Uh, we're going to go watch batting practice. We're going to watch the game. I'm going to sample some of the new food at Miller Park. And then I imagine we'll head down to Brian Ward's House of Prime for a little bit of uh, celebration in honor of our good friend Dave Nelson. And it's going to be a great night in Milwaukee. And who knows? Maybe those Cubbies will sneak out a win. Uh, will they do the unexpected? Will they prevail over the current league leader? Um, they're going to have to turn it around. And, you know, Joe's not panicking. Nobody's panicking. But they need to get a few things straight. They need a leadoff man. They need a pitching coach. They need an overhaul. And will it happen? I can only hope so. Because I will be out there Monday starting at the Dark Horse Saloon and feeding over into the uh, friendly confines for the 120 opening day pitch. And the weather's looking good. Uh, interestingly, uh, starting in March, for the first week, there was only one game that was postponed. Yeah, I, th I find that amazing. Now, the next day, uh, celebrating week number two, there were three postponements, I think. The Cardinals game got postponed in St. Louis. Uh, the White Sox decided they had two days to open, and today would be a better day. But um, it's shocking, given the crummy weather around the country all winter long, that only one game was postponed. So, you know, the Cubs did a lot of sitting around, which makes no sense. They should have stayed in the South, play the games, forget the open days. The open days in April are ridiculous. And then you don't get a day off in September like last year when they got to the finish line with their tongue hanging out. I don't know. So that's the lighter side of baseball. Is it really that light? Some of it is. The lighter side of baseball is the laughable start the Cubs got off to, the great start the Brewers got off to, the Royals, God bless them, if they had a manager besides Ned Yost, they'd be 5-2. and two. Uh, if they had a GM that had any money, I don't know what the deal is with Dayton Moore. And again, man, it's easy for me to get here, put on my headset, and start squawking. But I'm a season ticket holder there, and I expect the bullpen that has a better performance than the Royals. Went opening day. They got a 5 to nothing lead going into the ninth inning, and at the, by the end of the game, the winning runs on first base against the White Sox. And, and that's the bullpen. They kept parading out guy after guy after guy. They can't get anybody out. So the Royals in the, bull, in the bullpen and the Cubs in the bullpen are a major problem. So again, it's one week. Are we panicking? Yeah. Should we be panicking? No. Are the Cubs panicking? You bet they are. They say they're not. You bet they are. Their bullpen's in shambles. Their lineup is spotty. And Joe doesn't have a contract. It's a perfect storm for disaster. I hate to say it, but even though I picked them to win the division, I'm not changing my mind. But they're going to have to get back those three or four games that they just kind of gave away. Uh, ugly, ugly. And I'm sure when 
Joe gets to Miller Park today, he's going to go, who in the heck am I going to bring in in the fifth or sixth inning if Quintana can't get the uh, guys out through five? And then you get into the sixth, who do you bring in? Who do you bring in? I don't know. They can't be a confident bench. They may say they are, but they're not. So that's it, folks. It's been fun. I love it. I'm having a good time. And finally, we have real baseball to uh, sit here and gripe about. And in Chicago, griping about baseball is a national pastime or a state pastime or a city pastime. And the other day, all four teams that have any chance to win lost, the Blackhawks, the Bulls, the Cubs, and the Sox. So instead of a trifecta, it was a <laughs> it was the quadrangle of losses. But things are going to turn around. Things are going to improve. I am confident that as the weather heats up, as the Cubs get back to the friendly confines, they're going to turn it around. They've got to turn it around. They're going to change the bullpen up. I guarantee that's coming. And you got to move the hand. you got to keep it going in and out. you got to keep some faces in there that can get some guys out. It's the name of the game. They'll do it. They'll start hitting. They'll get back to Wrigley, and things will be better. I'm pumped. Nobody can depress me until at least October. And that's it. On the lighter side of baseball, Jamie Uretsky saying have a great day. I'm going to have a great day. Have a great weekend. I'm going to have a great weekend. We'll talk to you from Miller Park tonight, and then we'll see you out at Wrigley Field for the opener if anybody happens to track me down. And uh, you listeners out there, go for it. Anyway, that's it. Have a great day. And we will see you on the lighter side of baseball later on in the weekend. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. The listening is going great. And I'm getting great feedback. And I appreciate it. So thanks to all of you for listening. And go Cubs. Let's get a win today. Bye.